thank you for joining the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. We are a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, please visit www.vcnola.com. Here is this week's message. When I was growing up, something that was often told to me is that you are the spitting image of your father. And I heard that often, and a lot of times it wasn't just that I was the spitting image of my father, that I looked like my father, but people would say, you don't even just look like your father, you walk like your dad. And so I was going through some images and started looking at pictures, and I pulled out one from, I believe, circa 1986, and I want to show you this image of, uh, look at that handsome fella. Who is that guy? I'm talking about the little guy there, right? That's me. Uh, The two older people there, those are my great-grandparents. You've heard me talk about uh, Granny Dude before. That's her right there in that pink shirt. It says Little Dude on her shirt. Uh, That was my great-grandfather who uh, passed a few years after I was born. Uh, Paul Ernie, we called him. And uh, that's my dad, Greg, holding me. I think he was 25 there. So I'm older than he... I am older now than he was in this picture. But I think you can probably see... A little bit of an image, right? When you look at me, you see a little bit of him. And uh, when I was younger and didn't have gray in my beard and starting to gray in my hair, I looked even more like him. I was the spitting image of my father. And the, the word image is actually a loaded term in the Bible and in theology. It is a term that we are going to look at today because it says so much, not just about who we are, but who God is. And maybe more importantly, it says so much about our relationship with God. Last week, we kicked off this series called Flourishing People. And one of the things that we talked about was this uh, statement of why flourishing matters. That we were created by God to flourish. That his will, his intention, his desire for our lives has always been to flourish. One of the words that we talk about when we talk about flourishing is that Hebrew word shalom, which means what? Peace, right? But it has such a deeper meaning. And I think a a basic way to understand that word is flourishing. And so I want to encourage you, if if you're new or you're wanting to find resources or even looking for today's sermon notes, if you scan the QR code, you will find our sermon page. Click the Flourishing People graphic. All of the notes are there. The V Group study, everything is there for you to have and to use. And what we did last week is we started with the book of Genesis. And what I wanted to show you and what I want to teach you now is how our understanding of flourishing, all of it can come from Genesis 1 and 2. Because what God did is in his divine wisdom, he set us up to flourish. The reason we don't flourish is not God's problem, but it's whose problem? It's our problem. 
And so last week, again, we talked about why flourishing matters. And today, starting today, what we're going to do is for the next five weeks, we're going to talk about the things that we need to flourish. And what I want to talk to you today about is how we need faith formation to flourish. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Genesis. You don't have to turn too far. Genesis chapter 1. And what I want to do is I want to look at just two verses. Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Here is what Moses wrote. Then God said, let us make man in our what? Everybody say it. Image. Let us make man in our image after our what? And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In a couple weeks, we'll dig a little bit deeper into what all of that means. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What I want to do is I want to ask Two questions, and these are really questions that I think you can reflect on and process this week as you're thinking about faith formation. The first one is this, are you connected with the Father? Are you connected with the Father? What we read in Genesis 1.26 is it says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We were created, Genesis tells us, to be in relationship with our creator. We were created to be in relationship with the God of the universe, with our Father in heaven. The idea of being created in the image of God implies some sort of special connection between the God of the universe and his creation. And we, we've talked about this in the past, but all you have to do is go and read everything that comes before Genesis 1, 26 through 27. And will you find anything else created, created in the image of God? The answer is no. There is nothing else in all of God's creation even though all of God's creation is good, there's nothing else in that creation created in the image of God, which simply tells us there is something unique and different and special about us. And what I would tell you to process and think about is one of the things that's unique and special about being created in the image of God is that we are connected to our Father in ways that the rest of creation is not connected to the Creator. In fact, I want you to look at Genesis 5, just a few pages over, a few chapters over, and I want you to see a dynamic that I think is interesting. It says this, this is the book of the generations of Adam. Okay, so this is after Adam and Eve. It's beginning to kind of unravel and share with you the generations to follow Adam. And listen to the language. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. Sound familiar? It should, right? It's kind of what we just read. Verse 3. When Adam had lived 130 years... 
he fathered a son in his own what? Likeness. After his what? Image. And named him Seth. Do, do you see the parallels here? Genesis 1, 26 and 27. God created man in his own, after his likeness. And then we read in Genesis chapter 5 that Adam birthed a son in his own likeness, after his own, there you go, now you got it right. There is an interesting connection that I think Moses is trying to show us about what it means to be created in the image of God. Carmen Imes in her book, Being God's Image, says it like this, Seth is Adam's image the way we are God's image. To be God's image implies kinship. We are God's family. Richard Lentz in his book, Identity and Idolatry, says it like this. It's a relational dynamic that connects image, the person, to original God. Just as I was talking about me being in the spitting image of my father, right? Being in the image of my father implies that I come from whom? My father, right? And, and because I resemble him and I look like him and I have similar mannerisms, you know that I am Greg's son. And what the author of Genesis is wanting us to understand is that when we look at one another and we see one another, we should see the image of God in one another. And that should tell us something, not just about ourselves, but one another, and it should tell us that we are connected to God. Now here's the, the challenge in this story as we think about flourishing. We are, yes, children of our Creator, but we are also estranged children of our Creator. Genesis chapter 3 Verses 4 through 5. This is where the story turns, right? Last week we talked about how God created order and there was non-order and part of our responsibility in creation was to go and make the non-order order. But in Genesis 3, what appears in the story? Does anybody remember? Disorder. And this is what we read. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like who? God, knowing good and evil. As I reflected on this passage this week, I thought it was incredibly odd that the enemy would say, look, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. When Adam and Eve are already like who? God. Do you see the deception that the enemy brings into this story? God tells Adam and Eve, you have been created in my image, meaning you are like me. And yet Satan can come in and bring disorder and say, look, I know God said you're like him, but are you really like him? And it's in this moment that disorder enters our world. Sin enters our world. And because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, we then 
begin to disobey. And we have a sin nature that inclines us to that disobedience and that sin and that disorder. And even though we have been created in the image of God, we are now estranged children from our Creator. The thing about being estranged is that a child can be estranged from their father and mother, but that doesn't make them not their child. Why is that important? Because the reality is is that we're estranged from our creator, but that doesn't mean that we're not created in the image of God. We still have the image. The image might be marred, it might be a little bit broken, but we still have the image. And so we still reflect, we still mirror our Father in heaven. It still determines and shows that we have a relationship with our Creator, but we are estranged. And again, the story of Scripture, if you remember this last week, I talked about finding our story and our identity in what this says about creation and what it says about us, the story tells us the only way to flourish is to reconnect with our Creator. We're going to talk about a lot of things in the next five weeks. We're going to talk about loving relationships next week. We're going to talk about meaningful purpose after that. We're going to talk about holistic health. We're going to talk about financial stability. And there is a danger for you and I and everyone else to think that if we have all those other things, we can flourish. But what Scripture teaches us, what we see in the very beginning, it's page two in my Bible, I don't know where it is in yours, that if we do not have a relationship with the Father, we cannot flourish. And the reason that's true is because we were created for it. It's what we talked about last week. We were created to be in relationship with God. It is His intention for us to flourish. So if we have to reconnect with the Creator, our God, and there is no way for us to be able to do that, who's the answer? His name is Jesus. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1, and I want you to see some of the themes that connect from the New Testament and Colossians 1 to the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 3. Paul writes this, he says, he, who's he right here? Jesus. Jesus is the what? He's the image. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, if that doesn't take you back to Genesis 1, I don't know what will. Because Paul says he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in, in him, everything, he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now look at verse 20. This is where in verse 20, it picks up this idea of being estranged. And through him to what? What's the word? Reconcile. 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making what? What's the word? Peace. What's the Hebrew word for peace? Shalom. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See, what Paul is doing is he's connecting us to the creation account. Because he wants you to understand that what Jesus did is tied to what God's desire has always been for us. God's desire has always been for us to do what? Flourish. And what Paul wants us to understand is that the only way for us to be able to flourish is to reconnect to our Father through His Son. So when Paul writes in in Colossians 1, 15, he is the image of the invisible God. What he's saying is like, look, we are all image bearers of God, but there is one who is the image of God, and his name is Jesus. So he is the perfect image bearer. He is, when you look at Jesus, you see the Father. And then Paul calls him the firstborn of all creation, not because Jesus was was created. He's an uncreated. He is unbegotten, but he is the eternally unbegotten or begotten son. The eternally begotten son. And with being the firstborn that Paul calls him, there are rights and privileges that are his. And he gives those rights and privileges to us. And the reason we receive those, the reason we are able to then flourish is because in verse 20, through Jesus' death on the cross, we are reconciled back to our Creator, to our Father. What Scripture tells us, though, is that requires a response. Just as sin required a response, just as Adam and Eve had to willfully disobey God, for sin and disorder to enter our world. At the same time, in order for us to reconnect with our Father, it requires a response from us. Scripture tells us to repent, to turn away from the way we have been living. And then in faith, to turn and trust the work of Jesus on the cross, his life, death, resurrection. And then to confess that faith, Scripture says, through baptism, being buried with Jesus and then resurrected with him in new life. And what Scripture tells us is that when we reconnect with the Father, we are in Christ. And when we are in Christ, we have a relationship with God, our Creator, our Father. But there is no way, Jesus himself says this, There is no way to the Father but through Him. There's no way to reconnect with your Creator. There's no way to have a relationship with the Father unless you have a relationship with Jesus. The way Jesus describes this in John 15 is He talks about being in the vine. He calls Himself the vine and we are the branches. And I think it's interesting in Scripture how God always uses these organic illustrations to say, like, look, no, this is like a living organism. This is a a living thing. And I don't know about you, but anything that's alive requires what? Effort. Right? Whether it's a human being, whether it's a plant, whether it's an animal, 
Anytime you're dealing with something that's alive, it requires effort. And in the same way, because our relationship with God is not a static thing, but a living thing, it requires what? Effort. And so one of the things that we talk about all the time in the life of vintage are spiritual habits, ways for you and I to be intentional to pursue the Lord, to not only have a relationship with God, but also grow in that relationship. Things like this. Pastor Weaver just talked about our Bible reading plan. If you're not reading the Bible or you don't know where to begin, go out into the lobby and grab the sheet and start reading the Bible tomorrow. It's an easy thing to do, and it's a great way to immerse yourself into hearing from the Lord. Prayer. One of the things that Christians should be about is prayer. One, because the Lord wants to hear our requests, but maybe even more importantly, it is the way in which we communicate with the Father. It's the way that we grow and develop a relationship with God. How about community? One of the habits that should be cultivated in our life is surrounding ourselves with other believers, other Christians who can help us grow in our faith. We're going to talk about V groups at the end of the gathering today. It's a great way. It's just an intentional way for you to surround yourself with people who love the Lord and want to pursue Him like you do. Service. It's another great way to cultivate your faith serving other people through things like fill the fridge that we do on the third Saturday of every month, our V teams that we have every Sunday here, maybe other ways. But when you're serving other people, believe it or not, it's one of the most powerful ways to cultivate your faith and your walk with the Lord. And then what we're doing here, coming here every Sunday and doing many of the same things over and over and over again. And those habits doing something to us as we sing songs to the Lord, hear the word preached, serve and give, take communion, all of those sorts of things. Those habits do something in us. It helps cultivate our relationship with the Lord. So we're created to be connected to the Father it begins with connection, but what the Old Testament, what Genesis 1 teaches is it moves on to something else. And so the second question is this, how are you reflecting the Father? One of the things that we see about being created in the image of God is that an image is meant to reflect. And what we talk about when we talk about reflecting, I think, is this idea of honor. We were created to honor our creator. I thought about it like this. As a kid, I remember those moments when I would embarrass my parents, right? There was a restaurant we went to one time in Ohio. It was called Penn Station, and they did like subs, right? Like sub sandwiches. And uh, we went there one time, and I did not want to go. And I don't even know why I didn't want to go. I just didn't want to go. So I was like a young kid, and I just threw a fit right in the parking lot. And as a parent now, I reflect back on that moment and like, wow, that must have been awfully embarrassing for my, for my parents, right? And I mean, maybe you have kids and that's happened before. And as soon as your kid does something, you're like looking around like, oh, who saw that? Did anybody see that? Or maybe you're looking around because, you know, your response to your child was just as embarrassing, right? And the, the reality is, is that when you have those moments 
where we all think about those moments because like we're concerned about how our children act because they are a reflection of us. And in the same way, we are a reflection of who? God. Deuteronomy 5.16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You look at the Ten Commandments, what you are going to five is right in the middle of the commandments is this commandment to honor parents. And it's interesting that it's kind of a bridge commandment because the commandments that came before it were about who? Loving God. And the commandments that follow loving your parent are commandments about loving who? People. And it's as if God is trying to teach us right there in the middle that if you understand what it means to honor your father and your mother, you will be able to not only love people well, but you will be able to love who well? God. Because we have been created to honor our Creator. Just as the child, that is the image bearer, is to honor their parents. So the person, us, we are to image and honor our creator. Again, Richard Lynn says it like this. This is a quote I read earlier, but I want to pick up the back end of it. It says, it's a relational dynamic that connects image, person, to the original God. And Lynn, listen to what he says. But it's also... A relationship of worship or honor that depicts this connection. He's almost saying this, that like it's difficult to understand our connection to the creator if we miss how we are called to reflect our creator. It's built into our relationship with God. Because we are connected with the Father, we are then called to honor and worship the Father. But the reality is, just like we're estranged children, we have dishonored our Creator. Sin, that disorder that we've been talking about, is dishonorable to our Creator. Because that was not a part of His creation. That was not a part of His intention. That was not His desire for us. N.T. Wright describes it like this. He gives us this metaphor. He says, The image is a vocation, a calling. It's the call to be an angled mirror, reflecting God's wise order into the world and reflecting the praises of all creation back to the Creator. We're all angled mirrors. The problem is, is we're angled at the wrong thing. To be an image means we should be angled at our creator so that when people look at us and they look at our mirror, they don't see us, they don't see sin, they don't see disorder, but they see who? God. They see our creator. But when we don't reflect God, we dishonor God, and when we dishonor God, we get disconnected from God. Last week, I shared with you from Cornelius planting his book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, to talk about shalom and flourishing and those sorts of things. And he writes in his book uh, this about God and why sin is a problem for God. He says, God is, after all, not arbitrarily offended. That's important for you and I. God's not like willy-nilly, just like, you know what? Today I woke up and I'm not happy about this. So I don't like you today. That's not God. His offense is not arbitrary. 
It says God hates sin because it violates his law. But more substantively, because it violates shalom. Because it breaks the peace. Because it interferes with the way things are supposed to be. God is for shalom and therefore against sin. In short, shalom or sin is culpable shalom breaking. See, I think we tend to think about like God as that, that angry kid with the magnifying glass, right? You've probably all heard this illustration. And God's up there in heaven with his magnifying glass on us, just burning us with the sun, just because he's not in a good mood. You know, he didn't eat his Wheaties today, or he's, he woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and he's just angry with us. But that's really a terrible way to understand God, because that's not who God is. Rather, God is a loving father who has his best intention for his children. And if you're a parent, you understand this reality when your children choose against your wishes and best intentions. Because what you've set up for them is a way that leads to flourishing. And you're like, listen, please just listen to me. Because if you will listen to me, this will lead to your flourishing. That's what, that's what God is saying. So sin is a problem because Flourishing cannot be found in sin because sin is not in God. Shalom, peace, flourishing is in God. So we pursue God, which means therefore we don't pursue sin, which in turn means we honor our Father. The only way to flourish is then to reflect our Creator. But you cannot adequately reflect the Creator unless you have a growing relationship with that Creator. This is where this connection and reflection are connected and tied together. You, you can't really have one without the other. We have to be able to reflect our Creator. But the only way to be connected back to the Father is through who? Jesus. So we need Jesus, we need the gospel, we need the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, not only to connect us back to the Father, but then give us the ability to actually reflect the Father and honor the Father and live for the Father. Because Jesus, as Paul says, is the image of the invisible God. So when we are connected to the Father through Jesus, here's what happens. We see and learn what it means to actually image our Father. Because who did it perfectly? Jesus. Because he's the image of the invisible God. And so because we are in Jesus, we have not only the ability, but the example of what it looks like to image the Father, reflect the Father, honor the Father. And because we are connected to the Father through Jesus, we can then reflect the Father to all of creation. Again, all of this is like, you can't have these things without Jesus. You want to have a relationship with God? You have to have Jesus. You want to actually be able to honor God and live for God, you have to have who? Jesus. 
In the Westminster Catechism, it says this. I think it explains what it means to reflect our Creator. It asks the question, what's the chief and highest end of man? And it says, man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and fully to enjoy Him forever. Do you want to know what it looks like to reflect God? That's what it looks like to reflect God to our world, to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. It means that when people look at your life, who do they see? God. When people talk to you, who do they hear about? God. This is where, you know, I think when we tend to think about like serving other people and evangelism, we kind of like separate those things. We compartmentalize those things and say, here's my regular normal life. And then here is my Christian life where maybe I'll talk to people or serve people and I'll tell them about Jesus. But what Genesis and what all of scripture is teaching us is that it's one and the same. That our lives are not meant to be compartmentalized, but instead, if we're image bearers of God, if we're connected with the Father and therefore called to reflect the Father, it means that everything we do, everything that we say, every way that we feel, all of us reflects the Creator. That when people hear us and when people see us, they see an image bearer. They see someone who follows Jesus and they see someone who loves God and is connected with the Father. We complicate these things. And look, if you're thinking on your life and you're like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I talk about Jesus much. Maybe that's a problem. I've shared this before. I'm not talking about like going into the office on Tuesday and standing up on your desk with a bullhorn saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We're not talking about that. But what we are talking about is loving people enough to build relationships with them. And as you're building relationships with those coworkers, those family members, those neighbors and those friends, guess what's going to come up? Conversations about life. Conversations about flourishing, conversations of why you're flourishing and maybe they're not. And what's the answer to all of that? Jesus. You have the opportunity to tell them why, even though life is not perfect and while you have challenges and you have difficulties, you are still flourishing. You have an opportunity to reflect the Creator to them. Help them see that they are created in the image of God too, that they are created to be connected to the Father and that they too are called to reflect the Father to others. I don't know about you, but you ever, you ever known that you had to get up early in the morning? So you're like, that means I've got to get to bed early. And you lay down and then you stare at the ceiling for like three hours. Because you're like, as much as I know that I've got to get up early, as much as I need to go to bed early, I just can't seem to do it. And I think that that is so apt for our lives as we think about flourishing. You can want to flourish. You can say, I'm going to focus on my, my mental health and my physical health, and I'm going to make sure that I'm living out meaning and purpose, and 
I'm going to have financial stability. I'm going to do all of those things. But if you do not have a relationship with God, you will not, cannot, never will flourish. There is no way to the Father but through Jesus. And there is no way to flourish outside of a relationship with Jesus. As children of the Creator, we flourish when we are connected with and reflect our Father. So just as we did last week, I want to close with some diagnostic questions. Some things for you to think about personally in your life this week. If you're connected to one of our V groups, in our V groups, we're going to close every V group session with these questions, thinking about these questions. And look, these questions are just the beginning because chances are after you answer these questions, you are then going to have to think about some actionable next steps you need to take. So number one, very simply, are you connected to the Father? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Let me encourage you that if you have any doubt about that question, chances are you do not have a relationship with God. And let me encourage you to say that it is very simple. It is as easy as seeking the Father and praying to Him, Father, forgive me for my sin. I trust your Son, Jesus, to save me. A relationship with God begins like that. If you've never taken that next step, that is your next step. Number two, how do you need to grow and deepen your connection with God? We talked about some of those spiritual habits, things that you can do in life to help cultivate that relationship. What's the thing for you that you need to begin to do? Number three, how are you reflecting the Father? What in your life right now reflects God to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. And lastly, how can you better reflect the Father to our world? Maybe it is, I need to tell more people about Jesus. Maybe it is, I need to serve people better. Maybe it is, I need to love people better. What's the thing that you need to do to better reflect the Father to our world? We can flourish, but we cannot flourish without a relationship to the Father. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you that you created us to be in relationship with you, to be image bearers of you, to have a relationship with you, and despite all of the ways we've messed that up, God, you made a way through your son Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection to save us and reconnect us with you, to reconcile us to you, to now then live out our lives as image bearers and reflectors of you. And so help us now, Father, as we respond to you and we begin to process what it means to have faith and to form that faith.
We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week.